Hi everyone, this is your host Shayla Adams-Stafford and you're listening to Project-Based Learning in Practice. Thank you again for tuning in to Project-Based Learning in Practice. I'm your host Shayla Adams-Stafford and I am an educator and coach who travels the world training and teaching folks about project-based learning and how to implement it well within their classrooms. I have worked for the past 10 years in project-based learning and I actually had the chance to speak at the White House on how project-based learning really impacts all students. And so if you haven't already, take a moment, head over to www.pblmpractice.com where you can get some great freebies, listen to past episodes, and sign up for some virtual coaching if that's something that you need right now in your PBL journey. Well, let's jump into our guest for today. Our guest for this week is Mike Cackley. Mike leads project-based learning workshops around the country, helping teachers make the shift to student-centered inquiry. His passion is inspiring educators to design engaging PBL curriculum for all content areas and age levels. During 15 years of PBL teaching, Mike has taught social studies, math, STEM, and STEAM classes. Mike is convinced that we don't need to prepare students for someday, but that they should be doing meaningful work right now. So, Mike, we heard a bit about your background, but what else should our listeners know about you? Well, before I was a teacher, I was a construction worker and specializing in concrete construction. And so that's another passion of mine. Most people think it's ugly sidewalk, but I make tables and decorative things out of concrete. And it actually became kind of a way to connect with my students because in my classroom, there was uh, this huge concrete pillar that was half inside, half outside. And I complained one day about how ugly the inside was because they painted it, which is against the rules. You should never paint concrete. And they thought it was hilarious and weird. And it just became a thing of me talking about concrete and them egging me on because they thought it was weird, but it gave permission for everybody to be weird. (laughs) Well, I did not know that you weren't supposed to paint concrete. So I just learned something just now. So, I mean, everybody's got to have their thing that they're interested in and that's cool. (laughs) Yeah. it, It just made me the weirdest person in the room, which gave them permission to be their true selves. And when you teach middle school, I think that's very important. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. So what brought you to project-based learning? Well, I've always kind of had a constructionist um, viewpoint of learning in that I believe in hands-on learning. And now mine's on too. But I think when I started off, it was just I wanted kids active. And I taught middle school technology for seven years, and it really was a STEM classroom before that term was around. And doing pop bottle rockets and hot air balloons and balsa towers, et cetera, coding with scratch. And I really want to take the way I was teaching into the core classroom. And in my city of Grand Rapids, they started a new tech high school, which is a PBL school based out of California. And I applied there and I got hired and started teaching history integrated with English and also some math and that's really where I was professionally trained 
and how to P- do PBL the right way and really fell in love with the pedagogy. Wow. And so you basically were an, a true interdisciplinary teacher. You were doing technology, you were doing history and ELA. Yes. Wow. Uh, I've always had a passion for kind of integrating the subjects because that's how it is in life. Yeah. Yeah. That projects don't show up in a silo. They show up um, with, you know, a lot of integration across many different subjects. You're exactly right. So let's jump into your PBL superpower. What is your PBL superpower? I think my superpower is just really getting students to believe in themselves. I am a firm believer in holistic teaching of students and getting back to that constructivism. We can't just force feed content into students. We have to meet them where they are. Uh, culturally and developmentally and build upon their previous background knowledge. And and once we do that, then they really start to grow as a whole person, uh, becoming who they, who they are meant to be, I guess. Absolutely. And I think that social emotional learning is such a key word that we're hearing right now in education. And you're right. We can't get to the academics until we really understand the whole child, their background, where they're coming from, what they're bringing to the classroom, and really what are we bringing to the classroom as well. So social emotional learning has great connections with PBL. And I can't wait to really dig into that um, as we get into the podcast today, because you're doing some really great work in that area. So Give us a story about a breakthrough PBL moment, and uh, this could be related to your superpower as well. Well, probably my favorite project that we ever did was called The Water Project. And in Grand Rapids, as I mentioned, where I'm located, the river, the Grand River, has no rapids because of dams and such. Hmm. And a few years ago, a couple guys got together in a bar and basically said, you know what, we're going to fix the river. We're going to take it back to its natural state. We're going to remove and lower dams and really make it for environmental and also economical reasons. Mm. And they started something called Grand Rapids Whitewater. And when Obama was president, it got federal support. And so it went from this idea to this is going to happen. Right. And when we realized this was going to happen, my colleagues and I, decided this is going to be the biggest thing in our city ever. We have to do a project on it. So we went in the summer, uh, a colleague of mine, and went to some of the meetings, and we tried to connect with city leaders to have a purpose and audience for our project. It was a complete failure. And mm. we Why do you just, say that? We, we weren't able to make any connections with the city or anyone. Mm. And so um, we got to the end of the year, and we're like, should we do this project or not? And, it, and this was going to be an integrated project. For the 10th grade students and so uh, we said you know what the heck let's just give it a shot so we launched the project we did not tell the students about all the things that were missing from a high quality project we just went ahead and did it and just kind of turned it over to them and we let them pick their groups and they leaders emerged it was the end of the year so we just really got out of the way and let students take over and it was awesome what happened i had a girl we, my team was kind of in charge of public relations, and we did a survey. We went and walked the river and took pictures to the kids were building a 3D model of what the future along the river could look like. And it currently had a lot of rundown buildings and such. Mm. And my team had a survey they were doing 
And with the survey, we went in the morning, we only got like 12 responses. And so she said, oh, can I put on social media? I'm like, sure, yeah, whatever. Didn't really think anything of it. Next day, we had 100 responses. By the end of the week, we had 800 responses. What? She, she contacted all the local news and got them to put it on their pages. So it just blew up. Wow. And so she became the head of the social media team. And I started talking to her about going into marketing, a career she'd never considered. And so yes. <laughs> there were multiple students who just kind of shown who some of them were somewhat invisible throughout the year. But because this was a real project and it was their hometown and they were engaged, we created a big showcase. I say we, they did. And we had a 3D model out of cardboard and on wood. It was about four foot wide by 25 feet long mm. of the city along the river in all their redesigns. Wow. And from that, they started a showcase. And we had people from the public museum. We had the Michigan Department of Environmental Quality. And one of the co-founders of Grand Rapids Whitewater, all these people showed up from the students' campaign. Mm. And I, I asked every single one of these people, I was like, how did you hear about our project? And they couldn't even really tell me. They're like, oh, I just got an email from somewhere. So it literally just went viral from the students' work. We didn't do anything. Wow. that That is amazing. And there are two things I just want to highlight about that story for our listeners. First of all, when you couldn't get cooperation from the community, when you went out to initially seek their support, you didn't give up. And I think that sometimes as educators, when we're trying to make these really engaging connections, when we really try to make authentic relationships and, and we don't hear anything back or folks aren't interested, it's really easy to say, all right, back to the regularly scheduled program. Um, but you guys didn't give up. And so I just want to applaud you for that. Um, and then the young lady who you just saw kind of blossom during this project, I mean, just what SEL competencies, which we'll get into in a bit, what was she exhibiting through, you know, her perseverance to really, you know, make your social media campaign explode? You know, I think she did a lot of things. I mean, it started off with uh, problem solving, mm -hmm. with the responsible decision making, and then she saw... You know, our survey really wasn't very valid with a dozen sponsors. And so she came up with an idea to promote it. And wow. then relationship skills wise, she did a great job of communicating Absolutely. and using Internet tools to put it out there. <clears throat> so she really excelled in that area. Yeah, I think that's a whole nother podcast we can have about bringing social media into the classroom and, and not being afraid of using it and letting students take charge. And a lot of us are doing that, but this seems like this was a really effective way to utilize social media. So I could stay on this one here forever, but <laughs> let's let's move on to your most challenging PBL moment. So it was kind of related in a way. It was the same year, the same class. At the beginning of the year, we tried to do a World War One, and World War II, choose your own adventure YouTube project. So just like the books where you read a page and then skip to a different page based on the decision, we were going to have the kids make YouTube clips. And at the end, you would choose which decision you would make to go to a different YouTube clip. Mm -hmm. And the kids were excited. <laughs> the, the challenging thing about it was the whole class, which we were integrated class, so we have 50 students or to our block, because it was English and social studies combined, they were 
working on it. They were excited. They all had their roles and we started filming and then things started to go bad. Uh, the files weren't saving right. They were getting lost. Some kid would forget a costume or they'd be absent. And mm. the project just started to drag on and on. And it got to a point where we decided, you know, if we really want to finish this project, it's going to take another three weeks and we just can't do that. So we killed the project uh, as far as the final product. But what I always like to tell people is we did not fail with content. We still made mm. sure that students learn the content of World War One, World War Two. We just didn't have a nice shiny product at the end. But one of the redeeming things for me was one of the students who was a leader in the water project at the end of the year told me that because they failed at this Choose Your Own Adventure project, they learned how to work together that made them successful at the end of the year. Mm. That's That makes it worth it right there, right? Because understanding how they could recognize that failure, but then understand that that's not the end of project work, right? That they could actually learn and reflect from their experience on the failed um, Choose Your Own Adventure project and then use that as sort of like ignition to get going on a project that they really had some passion behind and you all had the, am- the ample time to actually complete. I mean, that's really exciting. And and I, I one thing I wanted to point out from what you just mentioned was that, you know, even though the final presentation didn't come together, the students still learned the content. Tell us how you were able to salvage that, even though you were struggling with some of the logistics of the actual World War II project. Well, we always have benchmarks built into our project along the way where we're assessing the core content and skills. So we always make sure, no matter what the final products look like, that we are assessing using standards-based grading the specific skills and content that we have assigned to that project. So that never falls by the wayside. I think that's a core thing for our listeners to remember that we're still doing grading. We're still using a lot of the traditional tools, still doing standards-based work, even though this is integrated and this is part of a final authentic project. And so I love that you guys were able to ensure that students still got that content, even though the logistics were a little tricky there. So thank you. Thank you for sharing that. What tips do you have? Oh, I'm sorry, Mike, were you going to add something else? Yeah, I was just going to say that um, it it is really important for teachers to realize that sometimes projects are going to go bad and it's okay. And we, the whole reason we're doing project-based learning and trying to develop social-emotional learning skills is for them to learn them. It's because they haven't mastered them. So we shouldn't expect perfection from students as they're learning these skills along the way. you got to look yes. at the long-term picture. Yes, I love that. It's They're learning just like we're learning. And you're right. These are skills that they are growing in. They're growing in collaboration. They're growing in time management. Exactly. That's That's a really great way to think about it. So, Mike, tell me what tips you have for PBL practitioners specifically related to SEL. Sure. Uh, I have made a kind of a comparison table of social-emotional learning and project-based learning. It's based off from CASEL, uh, SEL framework, which um, I'm sure Shayla will add to the notes here. Yes. So... They basically have five major competencies. And when I looked at 
So when I first heard about social emotional learning, I'm like, this is it. I've kind of been looking for this. Right. It's one of those things where I've been doing it, but didn't know what it was called because people will call this stuff a lot of things I don't like. Soft skills, 21st century skills, even though cavemen needed these skills. <laughs> so, uh, there's just all these terms. Uh, New Tech Network calls them school-wide learning outcomes. PBL Works, we call them success skills. No one can really land on a good name for them. When I saw the social-emotional learning, I'm like, this is the term, and this chart kind of lays it out. And this is really why that I think we do PBL, because we can teach content, straight content, lots of ways. But this is teaching all the other skills in life alongside the other content. And so that's really what I believe in. And so what I did was just kind of look, when I looked at the skills, I just kind of said, where in PBL do we teach the skill? And kind of listed out all the different ways and examples of how they just naturally fit together. Right. And they naturally do. And I, I implore everyone to check out Mike's site where you can get this crosswalk that he's made. That's something I think everybody should just have up in their classroom (laughs) because it really shows um, how PBL and SEL are connected. And you're right. Everyone is terming these as different sort of like in a different umbrella, whether they're success skills, whether they're core competencies, these are the skills that, they're the skills that we're teaching and sometimes we don't even realize that we are. And uh, I, I'm really excited to think about teachers really being purposeful and planning their projects, specifically thinking about a success skill that they want to use. Have you ever seen someone really purposefully execute kind of this, combination of SEL and PBL or like really being purposeful about using an SEL competency? Uh, there's this teacher who did a great job of teaching students self-management. And the way that she did it basically was took the castle five competencies and use those as group roles inside of the project. So one student was nice. social awareness and given jobs. One was the responsible decision-making. Someone else was relationship skills and was responsible for making sure that all the communication was clear and and, um, civil between the group. I love that. So she taught the skills by assigning group roles throughout the project. Nice. That was genius. I love that. (laughs) That's awesome because they actually are going to have to intimately know what that means as they execute their role within the project. That's really great. That's genius. <laughs> I, think, I think it's a lot of work on the front end of her, but she's basically teaching those skills. And then as they go out throughout the year, you know, they're switching up their roles. Right. So they're learning all the skills as they go. Nice, nice, nice. That's awesome. So really quickly, I want to just, for our listeners, how can our listeners tap into some of the organizational tools that have really helped you to marry SEL and PBL within your classroom? Sure. I definitely would recommend checking out um, Castle's SEL framework. That just kind of defines all the skills. Yeah. So that's a great resource. And they're doing a lot of research, too, coming out on assessment, how to assess these skills, which is a whole other nice. conversation. Yes. <laughs> 
so there's a lot of resources there. And then a, a, a tool that I like to use is Scrum Boards. It comes from uh, project management world in the mm. business. And Trello is a great online tool that allows you to set up lists of students to help them to organize their task of who's doing what and whether it's a to-do, being done, or completed. And so it really teaches kids to organize and manage their own tasks. Absolutely. And what's interesting about using Trello is that you know, something can be authentic in the processes that we use. And so when we're thinking about exposing students to real world processes, have them use a project management software, have them use a project management tool like Trello. So they'll actually get that real world experience, even in uh, something as what may seem simple to us creating a task list. This is actually a project management skill that we can teach students. That's awesome. So, Mike, thank you so much for being with us today. And I want to know how can we keep up with you? How can we get access to your PBL and SEL uh, crosswalk that you've created? Talk to us. All right. Well, I'm active blogger at michaelcackley.com. You can always connect with me on Twitter at Mike Cackley. And I have a Facebook page, SEL and PBL, where I post a daily resource related to social emotional learning and or PBL. And I have a chart. The chart is accessible and I can give you the link for that too. If you would like your own copy of the chart and there's a blog post kind of explaining a little of the details. Awesome. And my long-term goal. I don't know if you want this on here or not. No, that's fine. <laughs> and I'm in the process of writing a book of social emotional learning in PBL. So that's down the road. Yes. And we'll have to keep on the lookout for that. Maybe have you come on and do an author's chat and we can field some questions from some teachers about how to do this effectively. So thank you so much, Mike, for joining us. And thank you to all of our listeners for tuning in. Have a great week. Thanks, Sheila. It was good to talk to you. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. Well, that's it for today. I hope you learned something. I definitely did. We're all trying to use social emotional learning in a really purposeful and meaningful way. And Mike gave us some great tips and resources to jumpstart that within our classroom. So thank you so much again. If you haven't, again, head over to pblinpractice.com, sign up for the newsletter and get some great free tools. And also you can check out opportunities to get some virtual coaching. I'm your host, Shayla Adams Stafford, and thank you again for tuning in. Have a great week. Thank you again for tuning in to Project-Based Learning and Practice. I'm your host, Shayla Adams-Stafford, and I am an educator and coach who travels the world training and teaching folks about project-based learning and how to implement it well within their classrooms. I have worked for the past 10 years in project-based learning, and I actually had the chance to speak at the White House on how project-based learning really impacts all students. And so if you haven't already, take a moment, head over to www.pblnpractice.com where you can get some great freebies, listen to past episodes, and sign up for some virtual coaching if that's something that you need right now in your PBL journey. Well, let's jump into our guest for today.